Now, our first witness this morning is Butch. Well, when the fight broke out, I got stabbed in the back, and I, I pulled my knife and hit him. That was the first person I ever killed. Butch Crouch was a hell's angel who'd murdered people and then rolled over and became a government witness. He was giving up details of this crime only somebody that was there would have known about. What good's a man? In his right hand, he had an automatic handgun and blood over his chest. What exactly happened here? Two people were murdered. A house was set on fire. Because of Crouch, I've been hiding in the witness protection program for most of my life. But I'm done hiding. From C-13 Originals, a division of Cadence 13, welcome to Relative Unknown, a new podcast about the stories and family we can't escape. Download Relative Unknown for free now on Radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. For those that don't know, I am really close with my younger brother. He is a much cooler and smarter, many say better-looking version of myself, although I am a couple inches taller. We both live in New York City, and the other night I said, you know what, Matt? Why don't you come over to Big Bro's house? Let me cook you a nice Omaha steak. And as is usually the response, it was it was some version of of shock and 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 horror at first, really. But then he made his way over, and I shocked him, shocked him. It was unbelievable. What was he looking at? Some amazing top sirloin Omaha steaks. We sat down as brothers do, as we have for like thirty years now, and just talked about life. Obviously, I talked about the podcast, told him to write a good review, and it was a really solid bonding brother experience. And it reminds you that family is important, which is something that is definitely vital to Omaha Steaks and their history. It's a fifth-generation, family-owned company with over 100 years of experience. Right now, Omaha Steaks has a limited-time offer for my listeners only. I love Love that we have a limited time. Never had a limited time. When you go to omahasteaks.com and enter code WRH into the search bar, you'll get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package. Originally $195, now only $49.99. Order now and you'll get four hand-cut aged to tenderness top sirloin steaks, two savory premium pork chops, four chicken fried steaks, four Omaha Steaks burgers, four snappy kielbasa sausages, all beef meatballs, four perfectly browned potatoes au gratin, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets, plus get four more burgers Wow, for free. Again, get this limited-time package for only $49.99 when you go to omahasteaks.com, type... W-R-H in the search bar and add the family gift package to your cart. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type W-R-H before you do anything else in the search bar to send the Omaha Steaks family gift package today. Wait, don't fast forward. I really want to keep the momentum going with our contributors. We have a show here about storytelling and history, and I really do think you, the listener, can become a part of our team. This isn't some ploy, but instead a chance for me to get your opinion and take on the stories that I tell. You just got to go to jenkspod.com slash contributors. I'll also be sending free t-shirts soon. This podcast is produced by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, Brian Gewertz, Seven Bucks Productions, and Cadence 13. What Really Happened is written and hosted by yours truly, the world's most flexible documentary filmmaker. Please let me know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Andrew Jenks. You know that perfect couple? Been together for a while, and now they're tying the knot. Maybe you're at the wedding and looking on as they say I do. Sometimes while looking on, I think, yeah, you know, those two are really going to last. And it seems to defy logic. In the history of the world, somehow these two are living during the same time. And not only that, but somehow their stories intersected. They crossed paths. The individuals within each couple can have very similar, but also different character traits. But when combined, that's when the magic reveals itself. It's almost like the perfect Tetris game. 
One of them establishes a secure, sensible foundation. Shy, but engaged and practical. The other adds some fun, adventure, even recklessness. They both have a real good sense of humor. Curb your enthusiasm kind of deal. Both can be vulnerable and insecure and somehow honest or raw about it. Pepper in a little humility and charm from one side, some danger and a slight, albeit likable, arrogance from the other. Damn, that's why we like them so much. They aren't exactly great in bed, but they think they are like most of us, so who really cares? At a house party, stick with me, everyone loves it when that perfect couple is there. That's the ultimate sign of respect, when people are actually like, oh shit, they're here. During the party, if one of the two is shy, then maybe that person is cozying up in a corner, playing chess on their iPhone. The other person in the relationship is in the middle of the party, telling some mythical story. The story may be true, but it doesn't really matter. This person is the life of the party. And I know, I know, when this couple gets home at night, maybe it's different. Maybe the shy one actually starts talking endlessly, or maybe not. Maybe the life of the party keeps on going. Maybe they burst out fighting. Doubtful. Neither of them pretend to be perfect. But when together, it's hard not to think they are. Perfect. At best, I admire them, and I'm inspired by these couples. And at worst, I find myself a bit cynical and envious. But then we get the call. That call. So listen, you're not going to believe this, but we decided, the two of us, were breaking up. Maybe you're not that close to the couple, so you learn on Facebook or on a text chain, whatever. They're getting a divorce. And you can't believe it. The people in your orbit are stunned. No, not those two. Things go from bad to worse. You respect the hell out of both of these people. So maybe you gossip with some friends about what happened, but you really should be sensitive. You almost talk like George Clooney did when a reporter asked him about Brad and Angelina's divorce. Clooney was walking down a press line at the United Nations of all places, expecting questions on international affairs. And not only was he surprised at the nature of the question, but he hadn't even heard it had happened. It's a sad story, unfortunate for a family. Uh, it's an unfortunate story about, uh, about a family. I'm very sorry to hear that. It's the first I've heard it. You just try to convince yourself that it's life. It happens. You hope the best for both of them. Suddenly, a feeling you never, never would have previously considered. You feel bad for the couple. Not pity them per se, but sympathize or at least empathize with them. Otherwise, something's wrong with you. You wonder if and or when you should reach out. Do you call? Eh, you got a lot going on in your life, you know? Email? That feels a bit formal. Text? Eh, feels insensitive. And then the question, which one do you reach out to first? But with all that said, almost peppered throughout this time, the Tetris, the dinner party, the divorce, deep down, you, me, Mr. Clooney, we're all thinking, how, how did they break up? And then... If you're single like me, unlike Mr. Clooney, the next question is, if they can't make it, how can anyone? I remember hearing about a breakup about a year or so ago. In real time, it probably went something like this. I hang up the phone after responding to the news. I sit there for a moment. One of the rare moments in life where I actually stop down and get entirely lost in a train of thought about something specific. Specific, but also amorphous. You don't go to the computer, you don't start texting or calling other people on the gossip rumor mill quite yet. You just think, and sort of daze. You think about when the couple got married. In your head, you go through certain snapshots you have of them. When it was, or at least appeared, so, so perfect. Holding hands, the first time you met one of them. Vows on wedding day, the last time you saw them together. And you kind of mutter to yourself, wow. What really happened? Greg Popovich is thinking and talking to the press about what happened on May 14th, 2017, last night. There's about 15 to 20 reporters. Popovich is the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, a pro basketball team. He'll go down in history as one of the best coaches in any sport. But he doesn't like to talk about himself. You've heard it before. Winning is relief and the losses are torture and misery. I know. So why do you do it? I already told you we're sick puppies. Have a good night. He oftentimes goes by Pop or Coach Pop. He was in the Army for a while, almost the CIA. He's white, 6'2", 68 years old, some white hair, average weight, and a fairly well-kept beard that seems more about practicality than style. 
The New Yorker has called him famously grumpy. The Washington Post said, Popovich is famously private. Conversational evasion, another favorite pastime. And nothing ends conversations or interviews faster than a pivot towards his personal life. For all the conversation starters and debate kindling, there is one topic he refuses to touch. That of Greg Charles Popovich. I'll walk the street someplace and I'll travel and I'll spend time with my family uh, in other places. Last night was game one of a best of seven in the Western Conference Finals. 19,596 people packed Oracle Arena in Oakland, California, rooting for their hometown team, the Golden State Warriors. The winner moves on to the championship. Both teams had Hall of Famers. It was basketball at its finest. Whichever team won would be the favorite to win the NBA championship. Coach Pop knew it'd be a hard game. Pop's team, the San Antonio Spurs, are the underdogs. They're playing against the Golden State Warriors at home, which means the stadium will be in a frenzy. Everyone wearing yellow shirts, attempting to break down non-existent sound level records, and chanting for a team that I have to say is fun to watch. Their fans pack out the arena night after night. But during this game one, the crowd was kind of quiet, at least at first. They were seeing something, statistically speaking, they perhaps hadn't seen all year. In their home arena, the Warriors were losing to Coach Pop's Spurs by 25 points. But then, in the third quarter, an injury. It happens to be the Spurs' very shy superstar, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi is vital to this story, and Kawhi goes by a nickname some people say he doesn't even like, The Claw. He carries a basketball around with him even when he's not going to the gym, and he's lived for years with his mom, playing Jenga every night that he was in town. Chris Mannix is the host of one of the best basketball podcasts, The Crossover. He's kind of a George Plimpton. He's attempted professional boxing, playing in the NBA's D-League, bull riding, you name it. He's also a senior writer with Sports Illustrated. Kawhi Leonard is, I mean, he, he's almost built to be a spur. I mean, I recall the the first time I ever did a profile on Kawhi Leonard, I, I this was coming off his finals MVP performance in, in, in training camp. Uh, you, you found, like, guys on the CIA's hit list were easier to track down than Kawhi Leonard. And once you found him in training camp, he didn't want to talk to you. Like, it, he... I actually negotiated a 30-second interview with Kawhi Leonard in his training camp. It was it was like whittled down. It was initially supposed to be like 30 minutes with him in San Diego. It got whittled down to 30 seconds in his uh, as he was walking from station photo shoot station to photo shoot station in in San Antonio. He doesn't want press. He doesn't want endorsements. I mean, the guy just signed a friggin' shoe deal with New Balance. He doesn't want, uh, he doesn't have, he hasn't tweeted, I think, since 2015. He doesn't have an Instagram account. Like, these are all things that, that you like, if you could pick one team for a player like that to be on, it's the San Antonio Spurs. Kawhi tried playing, but the ankle got injured again. The Warriors went on an 18-point run. They had been up by 25 points. The Claw shot 7 of 13 in 25 minutes to go with 8 rebounds and 3 assists. But... 25 minutes in a 48-minute game wouldn't do it. The Spurs lost. SportsCenter reported that this was Pop's first loss when leading by more than 25 points in a game. Coach Pop's team in 2017 had arguably the best player in the league, Kawhi Leonard, right up there with the other greats in the NBA. Kawhi is unlike any other player in the league. The claw is shy, or at the very least quiet, if LeBron James's brand is to take over the world in the most admirable way possible, if Kobe Bryant's was to win at all costs, if Steph Curry's is to be the kid next door having fun, Kawhi Leonard's brand is to not have a brand. He doesn't really talk on the court or off the court, which is obviously totally cool. It's just different than how people describe the other NBA stars. Those other players have nicknames like King James, Black Mamba, and the Golden Boy, respectively. Kawhi's nickname is based on his very big hands. Each hand is about the same, just over 11 inches across from his thumb to his pinky and nearly 10 inches long, about 52% wider than the average man's hand. 
52% wider. Thus, everyone calls Kawhi the Claw. Nobody knows who exactly started calling him the Claw, but some believe he didn't even like the nickname until Nike, his old sponsor, wanted to make a shoe line using a design Kawhi helped create. The point ultimately is that he does have one thing in common with those guys I've mentioned. The Claw is one of the best players in the league. And the reason Coach Pop has been fuming is that Pop believes Kawhi, aka the Claw, got intentionally injured by another player. That other player, Zaza Pachulia, was attempting to guard Kawhi. Kawhi jumped to shoot the ball. As he jumped, Zaza put his foot an extra step forward. An extra step forward meaning one of Zaza's feet slipped in right underneath Kawhi's feet, as Kawhi was in the air shooting. When Kawhi landed, as in gravity pulled him back down, he landed awkwardly on Zaza's foot. Kawhi rolled his ankle. It was a dirty play, most agree. And for what it's worth, that's my opinion too. If you're not a basketball fan, imagine you're competing with a friend over who can jump higher. Imagine your friend decides that every time you jump, they're going to cheat. Your friend is going to put their feet underneath yours. Chances are you either hurt yourself when landing or you realize what your friend is doing, forget about how high you're jumping, and just try to avoid landing on your friend's ankle and getting hurt. That is what Zaza did. Some players will do anything for an advantage, even if it can hurt or end a player's career. I've heard professional athletes say to me, it's not cheating unless you get caught. But this isn't what we're talking about. This was cheating with the possibility of hurting another player. It's like our spy versus spy episode in Cuba. The intelligence agencies from the host country will annoy the other country to make life more difficult. That's one thing. But hurting the visiting country is off limits. The day after the game, after Pop had watched the tape of Kawhi getting injured, Pop's tolerance for questions he doesn't like is incredibly low, which is why it seems like several of the 15 or so reporters surrounding him are petrified. Finally, a question. A reporter asks how much more difficult Will it be for the Spurs without the claw? Coach Pop doesn't let the reporter finish his question. It's a team oh, of Golden State yeah. as opposed to How much more difficult is it? I mean, as How opposed would it be to if Curry didn't play. How much more difficult would that be? I'm not a happy camper. But that's a silly question. You want to know how we feel about it. You want to know if that lessens our chances or not. We're playing very possibly the best team in the league. And 9.75 people out of 10 would figure the Warriors will beat the Spurs. Well, we've had a pretty damn good season. We've played fairly well in the playoffs. I think we're getting better. And we're up 23 points in the third quarter against Golden State. And Kawhi goes down like that. And you want to know if our chances are less, and you want to know how we feel, that's how we feel. Pop realizes he got a bit heated. No one is asking any follow-ups. The reporters are just looking at him. I'm looking at his eyes, and I'm terrified. And I'm a full YouTube video and two years removed from the situation. But Pop may blow a gasket at any moment. Pop realizes this and breaks the tension. Follow-up. He talks about Zaza's history of dirty plays. Nobody wants to do anything that would put anybody else in danger for a game or a career. This guy's history is different. Can't just be, oh, it was inadvertent. He He didn't have intent. Who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever hear of manslaughter? You still go to jail, I think, when you're texting and you end up killing somebody. But you might not have intended to do that. All I care is what I saw. All I care about is what, I, what happened. And the history there exacerbates the whole situation and makes me very, very angry. He says if the claw had kept playing and they still lost, then Pop would have been fine. I go get dinner, have a glass of wine, wake up the next day, go to practice, and move on. And then, and this is important to our story, a question that would have so much more meaning in the two years to come. Is this a situation where you're also considering Kawhi's long-term future when you, when you decide whether he, he plays or not? That's why we, that's why we sat in, uh, in the Houston series. 
because we weren't sure. We weren't sure, you know, what this injury was. And we did the same thing with Tim Duncan early in his career in the Phoenix series. He could have played in that playoff, and I sat him because he had a great future ahead of him. If there's any doubt Pop doesn't stand up for his guys, just show this tape. There is an aura which surrounds Pop. When you win in sports, it's hard to do wrong. Fans, the press, the organization, I tend to do it as well, will turn the other way when mistakes are made. Now, when you're also smart, honest, funny, and talk about sensitive issues most wouldn't touch, people actually admire you. That's Pop. And the thing is, he hasn't just won. He's won five championships. In 2014, he was named the new head coach for the U.S. Olympic team. LeBron James has said, I think Popovich is the greatest coach of all time. And LeBron has never had Pop as a head coach in the NBA. Pop is one of only five coaches to ever win five NBA titles. Some of the other NBA coaches who've reached the top as many times as Pop have different styles and in turn brands. Red Auerbach was a tell-it-how-it-is, cigar-smoking maverick who pioneered new ways of playing basketball. Phil Jackson was a hippie Zen master with unique ways of motivating players, like the time he played Wizard of Oz before a game. Pat Riley was a disciplinarian with slick, gelled-back hair, top-of-the-line suits, a playboy of sorts, and always coaching in sexy, big-city markets, L.A., New York, Miami. All are some of history's greatest winners. Then there's Pop. His brand is almost a disgust or a contempt at the concept of a brand. You've heard it before, winning is relief and the losses are torture and misery. I know, so why do you do it? I already told you, we're sick puppies. Have a good night. Other than being a winner, I'd describe him in three words. Caring, authentic, and militant. Caring because he says things like, NBA players should donate to charity. Why? Because, quote, we're rich as hell and we don't need it all, and other people need it. Pop raises money for an important disaster relief fund, also the San Antonio Food Bank and Shoes That Fit, and the Innocence Project, the organization that works to exonerate the wrongfully convicted. On Media Day in September of 2017, Pop began by talking about the country's politics, protests that were happening around the country, and race relations. Pop, who again is white, said, We still have no clue what it means to be born white. His honesty and ability to win has led to a loyal fan base in San Antonio and an admiration from the NBA community, and even those outside the NBA. A local publication during the 2012 election reported that Pop got 25 write-in votes as president in just one county in Texas. The article said the voters wrote in Spurs coach Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, Jesus, and Mickey Mouse. Even former President Obama said if he could play for one team, it'd be the Spurs because they're, quote, a smart, well-run operation with good culture. On April 18th, 2018, Coach Pop's wife, Aaron, died after a respiratory illness that dated back to the 1990s. They had been married for 40 years. If you want a sense of the level of respect for Pop, it was something else to see the response. It wasn't just his players and the Spurs organization. It was almost everyone. Kevin Durant appeared stunned when he found out in real time. Pop's wife passing. Wait, what? Literally, Kevin Louie just found out two minutes. Seriously? I don't even know what to say, man. After a game, LeBron nearly cries. That's, a, that's such a tragedy, and, um, you know, my best wishes goes out to, to, to Pop and his family. Said Steve Kerr. This was shocking. It was, it was unexpected. Uh, I think Pop might be the most admired man in the NBA um, for many reasons, and there's an outpouring of support and grief uh, from everybody around the league. Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, former President Bill Clinton all sent condolences. Those are just the people we know about. Coach Pop is authentic and caring. For those unfamiliar with the coach, you may be thinking, so then, how is he militant? Well, the one thing about Coach Pop that can't be overlooked, he was almost in the CIA. In fact, if you want to have some fun and or waste some time, enjoy some conspiracy theories online that Pop still is in the intelligence agency. According to records, Pop was on active duty from 1970 to 79. 
and remained in the reserves until 93. You can actually look up, under the Freedom of Information Act, Pop's achievements while in the Air Force. He received the Markmanship Ribbon on August 28, 1962, authorized by the Secretary of the Air Force, qualifying Pop as an expert with the M16 rifle and issued handgun. In 1972, he was on the U.S. amateur basketball team. During the middle of the Cold War, the team toured and played in the Soviet Union. Pop even speaks fluent Russian, although he claims it's extremely limited. He majored in Soviet studies while in the Air Force and had special training in military intelligence. He'd later say, I still remember wherever I walked, every time I turned around, there was a guy following me, no matter where I went, to my hotel room, to the dining hall, trying to walk the streets. A longtime friend of Pop's said of his service to the country, I thought he was a spook. You go to the Air Force Academy and speak Russian and you disappear for a few years? Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Nobody knows. Regardless, without a doubt, all of this traveling Pop did during this time changed him in many ways, and one is specific to basketball. Pop's teams are known to have players from around the world, sometimes players picked from obscurity. Pop said, The opportunities I got in the military to travel with basketball really made me understand how much basketball is played around the world, how many good players there are. This understanding has paid off. The New York Times once ran an article about the team with the headline, The United Nations of Hardwood. During the 2013 NBA Finals, the Spurs' 15-man roster included nine players born outside the continental United States, which was a league record. Two of the best Spurs of all time include one, Tony Parker from France and picked late in the first round of the NBA draft, and two, Manu Ginobili from Argentina, taken in the second round, 56th overall. Another article, titled Man of Mystery, referring to Pop, says there's a quote from philosopher Jacob Rees in the hallway leading to the Spurs locker room, translated into the languages of various Spurs, Slovenian, Spanish, French. It sums up the international man of mystery and the kingdom he has created. Quote, when nothing seems to help, I go look at a stonecutter hammering away at his rock perhaps a hundred times, without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at that 101st blow, it will split in two, and I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. On page three of a document that summarizes Pop's Air Force work, there's a telling sentence on the last page. In fact, it's the very last sentence. It says, The distinctive accomplishments of Captain Popovich reflect credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. This got my attention. I wasn't sure why at first. I was on the Q train when I circled this portion of his review. I had become obsessed with Pop's military service at this point. The stories of his travels, the questions, and even mysteries. The San Antonio Express News has done great reporting on his past. They compiled quite a few reports I was able to read through, records of Pop's Air Force personnel record, the 6,594th support group in Sunnyvale, the Air Force Satellite Control Facility, a declassified Air Force plan about something called the Gambit 3 Satellite Program, and his work at a radar station in Turkey. It started to dawn on me later in the day. I reread that last sentence. The distinctive accomplishments of Captain Popovich reflect credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. This award, or more precisely this ribbon, wasn't as much recognition for what Pop did as it was what he was supposed to do within the system the U.S. Air Force had laid out. He had excelled in the system. The system deserved just as much, if not more, credit than Pop. I think that this line of thinking would really influence your approach to life, particularly at work. Pop's teams are known to always follow what is called the system. Capital T, capital S, the system. They am what they am. So if, if this kid is selfish, you're not changing him. It's going to come out in the wash. It's going to come out in an important part of the game, and you've got to get rid of him. Bye-bye. Uh, the fiber of your team uh, is the beginning of everything that you do. Uh, we talk about... We want players who have gotten over themselves. 
if you've gotten over yourself, you know it's not about you. No soldier is more important than another. The battalion will win, even if that means people will be lost along the way. Basketball is obviously not life and death like the military, but so long as you know this, while approaching basketball with that military precision, maybe you get what Pop has. More consecutive seasons with a winning record than any coach in history, 21 years straight. But unlike any time in the past, Coach Pop was about to deal with a player, much less a star player, who would defy orders. The unthinkable breakup is about to begin. I've followed my fair share of athletes. I followed a deaf football team once, made an ESPN movie on Bobby Valentine, and a 30 for 30 ESPN short called Posterized, about seven foot, six inch tall basketball player Sean Bradley, seven feet, six inches tall. Bradley said he heard a lot of interesting questions about being seven six. One time, in fact, more than once, he said people had asked him if he knew it would be raining before anyone else did. Athletes, like Sean, take care of their bodies. And even non-athletes try to, like me. A big part of that is having the right bed, which makes sense given you spend about half your life on the thing. And there's a new bed I have that we're partners with on this show that has done wonders. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed helps make spirits bright with proven quality sleep. Christmas time. My sleep number setting is 50. My partner's is... I don't have a partner. My bed has actually become a game changer. I had lower back issues, which have started to go away. I used to snore, but the adjustable bed adjusts throughout the night, so that's kind of done with. Just to feel like life is really good. (laughs) The tip of the mattress has a foot warmer. Come in and see the newest sleep number 360 smart beds. This is not a bed. It's really not. It's a Brighter you for the holidays, at least a much more well-rested one. From $999, Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash WRH to find the one nearest you. So the stock market has always uh, scared me, frankly, just never was good at math. I don't know exactly what it was, but uh, I was very happy to hear two things. One, when I learned of Robinhood, and then two, that we have partnered with Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy, and it's not intimidating. It's a way for newcomers like myself to invest for the first time and have real confidence. You learn by doing, which is what I loved most about it. You learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. You discover new stocks and track favorite companies with a personalized newsfeed. You get custom notifications for price movements, so you never miss a great moment to invest. As you may know, I can pay close attention to detail and be a little bit, you know, well, pretty meticulous. So a clear design with the data presented in a way I can understand is incredibly helpful. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Pretty, pretty cool. And now the important part. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at happened.robinhood.com. That's happened.robinhood.com. David Robinson is considered one of the best centers to ever play in the NBA, a Hall of Famer. He was a star player for the Spurs during their first two championships, both under the leadership of Coach Pop. Among a zillion other achievements, Robinson is also the only player to be drafted out of the Navy. He was in the academy for four years before playing in the NBA. David's well-known nickname, the Admiral. The Admiral was perfect for Coach Pop's system and Coach Pop needed the Admiral. After all, Pop wasn't always this heralded basketball guru. Chris Mannix, who hosts the Crossover NBA show, said, You know, Greg Popovich's kind of origin story is is pretty interesting because 
you know, he is regarded now as one of the great coaches of all time. You know, he was his first or second year in, he was was on the the brink of getting fired for some of the things that happened. The the year they went to the finals in nineteen ninety-nine, uh, you know, if, if they didn't make that run, you know, Pop might have been out of a job. The Admiral wasn't flashy. He didn't have a million endorsement deals. He was almost Mr. Perfect. In fact, in 2003, the NBA renamed its award for outstanding charitable efforts in honor of the Admiral. The plaque even has the inscription, following the standard set by NBA legend David Robinson, who improved the community piece by piece. Robinson retired in 2003 after winning his second championship. The new leader of the team was Tim Duncan, who, as one Spurs fan would later reflect, was the classy old soul who could never be altered by our greedy, mass-marketed, look-at-me society repeatedly taking less money so that the Spurs could remain a competitive team. For good measure, Duncan's nickname was Mr. Fundamental, which couldn't be a more boring nickname. But could anything be more perfect for the system? than having a leader called Mr. Fundamental? And then as Duncan retired, Coach Pop had his next Hall of Famer lined up to take over. The Claw, Kawhi Leonard. Unlike David Robinson and Tim Duncan, both of whom were number one picks in the NBA draft, Kawhi was picked 15th in the draft, and at first, nobody thought he'd become one of the league's very best players. He graduated from a small basketball program, San Diego State University. But the Claw fit the system. He had that same humility and approach as the Admiral and Mr. Fundamental, focused entirely on basketball and hardly anything else. This brings us back to May 14th, 2017. While Popovich was talking and yelling to the press about the disservice done to Kawhi Leonard, there's a good chance Leonard was also talking to the press around the same time. The Claw, at least at first, didn't have the same opinion. When asked if Zaza intentionally hurt him, Kawhi said, like, on purpose? No. Would the Spurs have won another title had the injury not happened? Most would say no. The Warriors were really, really good. But consider this. The Spurs were up by 23 points when the claw left the game. When he headed to the locker room, the Warriors then scored 18 straight points. The Spurs would go on to lose the best of seven series. The Warriors would win the next series and thus the NBA championship. Unfortunately, another injury would soon sideline Kawhi. In late September 2017, only a few months after that injury via pretty dirty play, it was revealed that Kawhi Leonard had hurt himself during a Spurs scrimmage. Coach Pop said at the time, we're still rehabbing his thigh. He'll probably miss the beginning of preseason or a good deal of preseason, and we're not going to put a timetable on a return but he's working at it and we'll get him back as soon as we can. Two weeks later, around October 13th, the Spurs confirmed Kawhi would miss the season opener and there was still no timetable on his return. On October 20th, a video surfaced. Kawhi was filmed having clear difficulty walking up the stairs of a plane. People are now wondering, just how injured is he? The next day, Coach Pop is his usual terse self. He's progressing. I'll just leave it at that. In mid-December, the claw returned, and he looked great. He averaged 25 points and 7 rebounds a game, showing why he is a top three player in the league. Pop is careful with his star player. When the team plays back-to-back games, Pop sits the claw. In other words, he's not letting Kawhi play so that he can rest the injury. But by mid-June, Kawhi is listed as being out indefinitely. He is diagnosed with right quadriceps tendinopathy. On January 22nd, ESPN lands a scoop. There is trouble in the system. The Claw doesn't like how the team is handling his injury. The team general manager comments on the report. This has been difficult for everyone. It's been difficult for Kawhi. He's an elite-level player. It's been difficult for the team because they want to play with a great teammate. And it's been difficult for our staff. Historically, we've been able to successfully manage injuries. This rehab hasn't been simple and it hasn't gone in a linear fashion. It wasn't until February 5th that things really appear publicly to be off. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski 
aka Woj, reports that Kawhi is off to New York to get another opinion on his injury. This, to me, must be around the time the breaking point came. In the system, you don't seek another opinion. When a soldier gets injured, he or she doesn't ask other armies what they think. And although Kawhi didn't ask another team's staff what they thought, he certainly didn't have full faith in his own team. About 15 days later, Pop told reporters it was unlikely Kawhi would return at all during the season. By the next month, players within the system began doing something they never did. They talked about a fellow player. On March 22nd, Manu Ginobili, a future Hall of Famer who has played within the system for most of his career, told the press, Kawhi is not coming back. For me, he's not coming back because it's not helping to think he's returning. We fell for it a week ago again. I guess you guys made us fall for it, but we have to think that he's not coming back, that we are who we are, and that we got to fight without him. Then, astonishingly, Tony Parker, also a lifelong player who has had a storied career within the system, said something that took the basketball world by surprise. He said he had recovered from a similar quad injury in less time than Kawhi. He added that he did so with a quad injury that was, in fact, a hundred times worse. Chris Mannix, who hosts the crossover NBA show, said that was viewed nationally as kind of a slap and a nod to to Kawhi that that Tony was questioning his toughness to a degree. So uh, I I think it was a a small kind of rock that was rolling down the mountain. And as the season got on, it got bigger and bigger and bigger till it became just too big to stop. For a team that hated talking to the media, a team that seemed to have a military mentality opposed to a bunch of guys in their 20s, this was a civil war. Spurs players were openly questioning their own player. As one basketball blog brilliantly put it, Spurs royalty were doing the unthinkable, airing their dirty laundry. When Popovich was asked about how Kawhi was doing, he would often respond with, you'll have to ask his group. Popovich made it clear that the Spurs were powerless in this scenario. He also publicly stated that his frustrations were with Kawhi's team, not Kawhi. On May 1st, ESPN comes out with another bombshell. Kawhi's new agent, Mitch Frankel, and Kawhi's uncle, Dennis Robertson, don't agree with the Spurs' treatment of Kawhi. Former NBA player and fairly open book commentator, Jalen Rose, said that they didn't feel like Kawhi's injury was taken seriously or that it was handled poorly. There are even accusations that Pop didn't put his player's health first. So this creates more rumors that Kawhi and or his people wanted the Spurs to surround Kawhi with more superstars, just like LeBron did when the Cavs picked up Kevin Love or the Warriors and Kevin Durant. Can you imagine Coach Pop hearing this? Another superstar? This is the system. You find players that fit within the system. The system doesn't adjust to star players. It never has. And it's won five championships with this mindset. They not only have never had a problem on this level, everything up until this point has been one seamless transition to the other. Kawhi seems to have been in muddy waters with his former agent, who filed a lawsuit against Kawhi's new agent for allegedly failing to pay commission on what Kawhi had previously made. Finally, Pop does what you'd expect. He goes to meet with his star player. Put him and Kawhi Leonard in a room. Sort it out. Whatever happened in there ultimately didn't do the trick. The next month, Kawhi was traded. Not to the team he wanted. In fact, he was traded to a team he apparently specifically did not want to go to, the Toronto Raptors. And so these two, Pop and the Claw, their story, which seems so meant to be, was over. The Claw wanted out, which had never happened before, and Pop said, fine, you're going to Canada, in another conference. We won't play you unless it's in the finals. At first, the NBA community breathed a sigh of relief. Okay, finally, this long, weird saga between two people we really root for and like is over. But as the dust settled, everyone was still confused. The reaction from the NBA community in the months since seems eerily similar to that call about the perfect couple getting a divorce. The startling part in all of this 
Coach Pop is known to take care of his players. In fact, he's gotten in trouble for it. On long road trips, Pop has been known to not play or even have veteran star players not travel with the team so that they could rest. In a big NBA game between the Miami Heat, then packed with LeBron and Dwayne Wade, Pop sent home his star players, Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. Strategically, it seemed like a smart move. But the NBA, despite Pop's intent in keeping his guys fresh and ultimately healthy, felt he was doing a disservice to the game. Simply, sitting out players was a disservice to fans. And so he was fined. But there is a longer story that reveals Pop's history with injured players. Towards the end of the 2000 season, Mr. Fundamental Tim Duncan tore the lateral meniscus in his left knee. With the playoffs approaching, Pop had to decide whether or not to play his star player. And Mr. Fundamental wanted to be on the court. He said, I was doing everything I could to get ready to play. Duncan even sprinted up and down the court during a practice to show he was ready. He was young, a franchise player, Popovich later said. He wasn't just a number one pick. With him, you've got an opportunity to win multiple championships if you don't screw it up. I didn't know if the injury could get worse or get chronic. Pop sat Mr. Fundamental. While the Spurs would go on to lose in the first round of the playoffs, most basketball minds think it was a wise move. Duncan, years later, said it was the right move. I understand what I'm in. I understand the situation I'm in. It doesn't happen for a lot of people. The organization, the players, the coach, in every respect, I've been blessed. I understand it every day, and I appreciate it every day. He added, Pop's always been the voice of reason. As reported by ESPN's Jay Adande, quote, We do know that after Duncan rested and had his knee surgically repaired, he went on to win two Most Valuable Player Awards and three more championships. Duncan hates stating the obvious, so he left it for someone else in the press corps to lay out the many dividends Popovich's decision has paid. How wise it looks in retrospect, with Duncan topping it off with a single word. Exactly. I don't know if it's weird to remain friends with an ex-girlfriend. I suppose it depends how you define weird and if it really can remain a friendship. Either way, last week I was working on this episode when I just knew I needed a break. So I decided to get a drink or a seltzer with an ex. She's really smart, and years ago she told me not to wear shirts with anything on them, like logos or pictures, etc. She said I had way too much going on in my mind, my head, to be wearing busy clothing. So at drinks, she said something I never thought I'd hear. This was drinks while, while we were recently out. She said, nice watch. I said, excuse me? And I, was, and I was kind of grinning. My style was never exactly up her alley. And then I looked at her and I realized she wasn't kidding. She actually liked the watch. And I almost started to talk to her about this watch like I was reading off of a one-pager. I just told her some version of, you know, moving watches are all about looking good while keeping it simple. They don't tell you how many steps you've taken or blowing your wrist up with text messages. They're not overly intrusive on life with notifications, text messages, emails, etc. They tell time like true, classic timepieces should and look good doing it. Movement did all the hard work this holiday season so you wouldn't have to, and they made awesome gift boxes and packages. If you need help giving the perfect gift this season but don't know where to start, the guys over at Movement Watches have your back. They've curated all of their favorite styles into special gift boxes for you so you can absolutely do great this holiday season without the added stress. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash WRH. Movement's launching new styles on their site all the time. Go to mvmt.com slash WRH. Join the movement. I was at the MTV Movie Awards, and Eminem was performing. Uh, this was, I don't know how long ago, seven, eight years ago. And so Eminem's performing. Our show is premiering afterwards. I'm there. And I, I hate it. I don't want to be there. I can't stand this big crowd. But I did like Eminem. So I listened to him. He was the opening act, luckily. And then I left. And I remember thinking that the whole thing felt off from days prior when 
I had a stylist style me. And I was like, a stylist styling me is everything that's wrong with the world. And I thought maybe it was kind of a vision that I had. Maybe one day when the internet really picks up, there will be some sort of online personal styling service. And today is the day that I can tell you that there is Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. All you have to do is go to stitchfix.com slash WRH, as in what really happened, and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. I did it. It was simple, effective. It was almost, I got like for shopping in terms of me, you know, it it was almost kind of fun. Like it was as much fun as as it could be. It's kind of like Churchill, like democracy is, is the worst form of government with the exception of all the others. That's Stitch Fix, which is the biggest compliment. Uh, Not only that, but their styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash WRH, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash WRH to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash WRH. So the question remains, what happened? To really understand, you'd have to go back to at least 2008. In January of that year, Coach Pop and the Spurs were trying to win another championship. The year before, they had won their fourth title in nine years. That same month, January of 2008, Mark Leonard, the father of Kawhi Leonard, was shot dead at the car wash he owned in Compton, California. Kawhi was only 16 years old. No suspects were arrested, and the murder has never been solved. Since 2016, maybe 2017, people have noticed a new person in Kawhi's life. His name is Dennis Robertson, a.k.a. Uncle Dennis. He's Kawhi's uncle. After firing his former agent, people believe Kawhi has been getting much more advice from his new agent, Mitch Frankel, and Uncle Dennis, a quote-unquote new influence. But that seems to be short-sighted. Because when Kawhi's father was murdered, there was only a handful of people who were there to support him. One of them was his uncle, Uncle Dennis. He helped Kawhi with tough decisions, even unpopular ones. Kawhi had apparently been set to play college basketball at the historic UCLA. Instead, he went to the far less popular San Diego State. There isn't exactly a slew of players that have come out of San Diego State and made it big in the NBA, But Kawhi did. The unusual option worked out. So maybe Uncle Dennis knows what he's doing. Maybe when they got that second opinion from a team of doctors in New York, Kawhi and Uncle Dennis thought the Spurs had it wrong. And obviously that sounds like blasphemy. The Spurs have it wrong. But reports suggested that Kawhi and Dennis believed Kawhi needed far more rest for the injury. Basketball reporter Peter Vesey would later say that Uncle Dennis felt the Spurs medical staff was more concerned with the team's best interests rather than his. But this sounds off. It seems like a miscalculation anyway. And this is just an opinion, albeit based on some facts, but why would the Spurs do this? Why would anyone do this? But especially the Spurs, especially Pop. Said one publication, Uncle Dennis felt betrayed by the Spurs over the injury. The relationship could not be mended. Leonard's loyalty, it appears, stuck with his uncle and not the Spurs. When the current season is over, in the spring of 2019, Kawhi Leonard will be a free agent, meaning he can sign anywhere. Most think he'll either be the Kawhi we all know and stick with the Toronto Raptors, a team that's doing very well and also a small market team that seems to fit the low-key nature of Kawhi's personality. The only other option most people think is possible, Kawhi playing in his hometown, Los Angeles, for the Lakers or the Clippers. Others, however, think there's another reason he could go to L.A. Maybe, maybe Uncle Dennis wants Kawhi to do something the Admiral and Mr. Fundamental never did. Become a real star. Go to a big market. Become a household name. Around 2013, a novelist and bookseller, Kevin Samsell, was being interviewed by the Portland Review about, amongst other things, famous authors who had stopped through. Before the interview ended, 
Samsel said, I see non-book celebrities there all the time, too. San Antonio Spurs coach Greg Popovich was looking for David Foster Wallace books. This started many conversations about what Pop reads. Graydon Gordian, a member of ESPN's True Hoop Network and the founder of 48 Minutes of Hell, was asked a bit of a cerebral question. Was the system a response to the kind of cultural fragmentation David Foster Wallace wrote about? His answer, while I'd love to say yes, the answer is no. Popovich is a soldier, not an artist. He's not in conversation with his culture. He's trying to overcome his antagonists in a rational and effective manner. That being said, there is a sense in which Popovich and the entire Spurs organization see culture as deeply fragmented, and they exploit that fact to impede the narratives we try to build around the team and its players. They are anti-storytelling, which is a fascinating stance for them to take. I found that line interesting, something I'm not sure I've heard before, that the Spurs are anti-storytelling, and it couldn't be more true. The NBA and sports love a good story. Stories are everywhere. There's the conflict of the actual game, the larger-than-life characters in the game, the life stories off the court, and the high stakes of winning championships or setting records and becoming immortal. But Pop would scoff at this. Immortal? We're putting balls through a hoop. Kawhi likely would say something similar. He's there to play basketball, not for the fame or the endorsement deals or the parties or to become immortal. Of course, he may not actually say any of that, but it's true if actions are any indication. We're left with a separation between two people that kind of feels more like a divorce than anything. This story ends in the most Spurs way possible. There is close to none of the elements you look for in a story. The conflict is hard to identify. The climax is when a quiet player leaves San Antonio and goes to Toronto. I don't know what happened in that room when the two met in Los Angeles. And if we're going to be honest about it, who will? There will be Pop's version. There will be the Claw's version. And if we abide by the cliche, between their two versions, there will be a truthful version. Or we could ignore the cliche and know who we're talking about, two people who will never talk about what was discussed. But that part doesn't matter to me anymore. You're not going to get that call about this breakup. Going into this, a coworker of mine who made a film at ESPN said, it's not what really happened, but that it happened. And I realized during this process, I wouldn't sort out what happened, but maybe everything else, particularly why it happened. What's interesting to me is that these two good people, two people who seem to have the right values, who do things the right way, who have a real passion for their job, with upbringings that were very different but led to so much perfection can still not be right for each other. They had all of the attributes to make a relationship work. But Kawhi was loyal to his uncle. How could he not? And Pop had a rule. No players were above the system. Kawhi included. If there is a story here, it may be about institutions. Greg Popovich is, if anything, an institutionalist. He grew up in a system which was proud, if anything, of their system. And now, Pop runs his own. A system. Nothing more, nothing less. Peter Drucker once said, No institution can possibly survive if it needs geniuses or supermen to manage it. It must be organized in such a way as to be able to get along under a leadership composed of average human beings. Coach Pop and The Claw have exchanged what appear to be verbal jabs recently. But the breakup is still fresh. In due time, and if history is any example, there is no doubt that the two will find mutual ground and one day look back and smile. Because, make no mistake, this is a spectacular story. It didn't end the way I wanted it to. With several more years of Pop and Kawhi, there may have been more stories about Spurs championships. But don't forget, the Spurs don't do stories. In fact, these two guys may be able to look at all of this quite simply. A good player had the drive to become a great player, and under a certain system, that is exactly what really happened. We're really happy that this podcast is brought to you with the help of Sleep Number. Come in and see the newest Sleep Number 360 smart beds. 
This is not a bed. It's a brighter you for the holidays from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash WRH to find the one nearest you. Next on What Really Happened, one of the hottest rappers in the world had violated parole one too many times. But when the judge at his hearing began giving him tips on his music and lifestyle, people started to question who was in the wrong. It all got more bizarre after the judge sentenced Meek to two to four years in prison. Until recently, he resided in solitary confinement. Now the judge is under investigation by the FBI. Meek's attorney made several allegations of inappropriate statements and actions from the judge, including that she requested he re-record a Boys to Men song and shout her out, and she wanted him to leave Rock Nation to sign with a friend of hers. What really happened? <laughs> 